As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. You can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. For this week only, we are having a massive sale providing 50% off any weekly betting subscription. Use code GET50 for 50% off any weekly betting package at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, here we go. Week seven. Uh, we're we're cruising along. We're somehow. I, I'm I'm not sure if it's it's already week seven. It's only week seven. I'm not totally sure. It depends on the day how I feel about that. But uh, how are we doing this week? Yeah, that's how my uh, son still feels about Daniel Jones and being a Giants fan. It depends what the previous play was. If he tells me he, he's in or out, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, it's been fun. You know, we came off another good primetime game. So, I mean, Sunday night, I don't know if we could say it was like necessarily a good game, but it was entertaining and had a fun finish. And then Monday night was excellent, you know, Bill's Titans. So we're still, the, the NFL product has still been really solid. And we had the Cowboys Patriots game too on Sunday that wrapped up, you know, the, 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 the day games. Uh, so there's been a lot of still really good games and a lot of fun, you know, NFL action this year. That's been, it's been really enjoyable the season so far. And even when there are like weird Sundays, which I, last Sunday was that, and especially like in the early slate, there were not a lot of great games. They, a lot of them got out of hand pretty early. Even the games we were like expecting to be quite good, like Ravens chargers got out of hand Ooh, very yeah. quickly. Same thing with, you know, Arizona and Cleveland. Uh, but then there, you know, weird games that were slightly entertaining like minnesota and carolina it was like just close enough and weird enough that it suckered you in and then we do have these good primetime games that when you know you feel a little better capping off the week when those those have been good those have been you know consistently good which which is nice and of course we're recording this before um Browns Broncos before Browns Broncos (laughs) this will be airing after Browns Broncos so anything we say about the primetime games if that game was a terrible and unwatchable uh, apologies for that. And just completely uh, ignore what we're talking about. Hey, there, last but... year, last year, the Broncos started Brett Ripien on Thursday night, or maybe it was Driscoll and he got knocked out of the game and Ripon had to play uh, against Sam Darnold. They're all the game, same. And that game turned out super fun. So maybe, you know, hold on to some glimmer of hope, uh, obviously in retrospect, because we already know the results if you listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All of you already know how that game went. Um, <laughs> If you made it through, congratulations, you know, either way. Um, so let's, we'll just dive into uh, some of these games here. We, uh, again, I, I feel like we say this like every week that there's not, it's a, uh, a weird slate of games, just kind of uh, on paper. Well, six kind teams of, on by, uh, yeah. good teams, good teams on by as well. Right. <laughs> I think that's, that's part, that's part of it. Uh, we do have a lot of, you know, the good teams that we would be wanting to talk about. Uh, are on by, but I think that gives us a chance to, you know, talk about some, some other teams. Uh, but so let's just start with, um, I think one of the only, it may be the only early game between two winning teams, which is the Bengals and Ravens, <laughs> which again, we, we talked about, you know, the Bengals before that green Bay game and how that, you know, should be closed because some of the things that Cincinnati was doing and, you know, it, it was close. Um, it ended up that way. And I think it's similar with the Baltimore right now, even though Baltimore, I think, is playing at such a higher level um, right now. And they're they're doing a lot of stuff that is just 
really they're taking you know what they have done well in the past and they've just been adjusting it uh we we talked about it just a little bit i I wrote about this last week about how on offense they're just spreading it out a little more they're not using quite as much motion uh and they're able to sit in some of these you know three wide receiver sets spread a defense out a little more let lamar jackson sling it they're they're not blitzing quite as much on on defense and i think all, all of that is just kind of going into just playing to their strengths and not overly committing to what they think they can do well um and i think that's it's going to be pretty interesting to see against cincinnati yeah this is a, a fun matchup yeah, obviously the Bengals haven't had like this meeting of of a, a football game at this point in the season in, in quite a number of years so it is fun to have that element of it you know they're, they're riding strong Joe Burrow's playing excellent and yeah you, you said that it all comes down to yeah what's the Ravens do I think what the defensive approach because they did get after Justin Herbert and then the back end held up you know so they're gonna blitz you know we talked about they've, they've given up some big plays this year and gone kind of uh you know they've been wonky they've been really streaky on defense they've had like spurts where they're really excellent and they've had spurts where they're really bad uh, so what do we get from them this week? Because Joe Burrow so far to start the year has been awesome against the Blitz. Uh, he's been one of the best quarterbacks against Blitz. Ten and a half yards for pass attempts. Six of his passing touchdowns have come against the Blitz. Uh, they're a, a, a quick strike offense now, the Bengals. You know, they are tied with the Cowboys, the most touchdowns scored outside of the red zone. Uh, you know, credit to Jamar Chase. Uh, I wish T. Higgins were going along for the ride, but they've actually kind of relegated T. Higgins to like an intermediate target now, not even an intermediate target, more of like a near the line of scrimmage target. His A dot is basically nine yards. Uh, it was like almost 13 yards as a rookie. Uh, Joe Burrow has on throws or 15 yards downfield is connected with Jamar Chase 10 of 16 times and just three of 10 to all the yeah. other Bengals. So, I mean, we'd like to see some other guys come along for the ride and not just it be the Jamar Chase show, but Jamar Chase has already established himself as arguably the one of the best deep ball players in all of the NFL, just six games into his career. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's opened up this new element of the offense that people suggested, you know, Joe Burrow was going to be about bad downfield passer last year. You know, there's a lot of questions of, of would he only be an intermediate passer, maybe on the Ryan Tannehill spectrum. Uh, but, you know, they were able to, to quick strike and hit these big plays. Now we saw right before halftime, they kind of worked great in the first half of that game against the Lions. They hit that that long, you know, pass to Jamar Chase before halftime. They go up 10-0, and then they just kind of cruise the rest of the way coming out of the break. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, though, how the Baltimore approaches them because, I mean, the, the Bengals have beat up some teams that blitz them, but they've also been a little opponent-driven, too, uh, especially on the defensive side when you look at the Bengals because this is a team we talked about last week of the Chargers, and it happened in the – the Ravens were still able to get over because they ran the football so effectively because the Chargers are never going never gonna to stop the run, apparently, against anybody. Uh, but the Bengals can stop the run, and they're also really good against the deep pass. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens kind of adjust their game plan this game because they didn't really throw the ball effectively last week, and they're facing a, a similar defense that, that stops the deep pass. They do it a little differently, and it's not two high safeties. It's one, you know, Jesse Bates running all over the field. Uh, but they are they have been really good against the deep pass uh, as well, and that's basically how the Ravens have lived. So I'm excited to see kind of like the cat and mouse game here. Yeah, this is just – it's a place where – we're, we're the the strategy is is going to be real interesting. Just to, like you said, to see how everybody attacks uh, the the other team, and I think when you look at you know what the Bengals have have been doing well on offense, like you said, it is that deep ball. Um, the the Ravens have been able to defend that, and I'm I'm real interested to see you know how they 
are, are going to line up against that because, you know, Marlon Humphrey, um, you know, in, in the past, he's been lining up in the slot, but he's been doing more outside this year because I think they need to have him more on, uh, on number one wide receivers before when in, you know, years when you had Marcus Peters, you could have Peters on the outside. You could have, you know, another corner on the other outside and you had Marlon Humphrey in the slot a little more. You could move him around. He's been playing more outside now because you want to defend that number one. And that's where, you know, Jamar Chase is going to be. So I would assume we get Marlon Humphrey on Jamar Chase uh, for a while. And that's going to be a fun matchup. And we'll see now if that, you know, opens up, um, you know, it can open up T Higgins and Tyler Boyd a little more because there is, you know, that, that one corner who is going to be taking away uh chase uh, potentially. Uh, and like you said, with the blitz, you look at what Joe Burrow is doing, you know, so often they're an empty, they're spreading out um, a, a lot of that, those defenses a little more, and that's going to work uh, against the Ravens because they want to, whether they are blitzing or not, they want you to think they're blitzing, right? They're going to have so many guys that are, you know, crowding around the line of scrimmage um, and you don't know who is coming. And that that's a big part of what their defense is. But when they're you're in empty, you're going, you know, the five wide like that. Um you have to declare a little bit more on defense. So that's going to spread the Ravens out a little more. So I think that's going to take away, you know, some of the confusion pre-snap that the Ravens do like to bring. Uh, when you look at what um, uh, Burrow has been doing uh, so far, like uh, he has one of the highest rates of throws that are, you know, within two and a half seconds of the snap. So they are getting the ball out quick. They do want to be that quick passing game, but still is pushing the ball down the field. So I think that that's a real interesting dynamic with what, um, uh, with what the the Ravens are doing on on defense, and you know when you look at the other side, you know those the Bengals are are playing you know really well. They're um, you know they're, they're they're switching up a lot of of coverages too. Um, you know they're they're not blitzing barely at all. You know just seventeen percent. That's another thing you don't really want to blitz Lamar Jackson either because you know he gets that hole and he's off to the races. And that's why I think a lot of teams are holding back on that. Um, they're, they're rushing for at a, at a decent clip, but they also are, you know, one of these teams that have adapted to rushing three and uh, dropping eight into coverage. And I think that that's going to be interesting because then you kind of have those bodies back there and you kind of have that extra guy for a Lamar Jackson run too, uh, which, um, you know, it could help, but I think we've, you know, seen so many times um, yeah, how Lamar Jackson can run through the Bengals, but this is like a completely different, you know, Bengals defense. So, um, you know, I think it's one of these games again, where I have the confidence in the Ravens to, you know, just they're the better team, but I think the Bengals are just going to be better at a, a lot of things. And it's going to be much closer than, than I think, you know, we is still, I think when looking at this Bengals team is just, you know, not completely sold on all of the pieces of them being, you know, a great team, but, you know, they're, they're putting some really good things together that are uh, just allowing them to, to hang in a, a lot of these games, even if it's not completely putting them over the hump quite yet. Yeah. The Bengals, the final pick of our team draft by you after I passed on them and uh, it's looking good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we want to talk about the team draft because uh, once again, I don't think that, uh, that is going well for me. I haven't, haven't checked uh, in a while, uh, but. I don't mean, listen, that's a great final pick though. Bengals are four and two. Uh, sure. But all the uh, other early picks, uh, not great, which is uh, how, <laughs> how it's been seeming to go so far when we've uh, been doing these. Let's, uh, 
let's move on here. I think Kansas City and Tennessee is super interesting because I think, you know, like you said, we just saw the Titans beat the Bills. I'm still not completely sold on the Titans being good, despite the fact they're four and two, despite the fact we just saw them beat Buffalo, who we kind of all thought was the best team in the AFC uh, right now. They're still, you know, 24th. Uh, in in DVOA, it's just not a team that has been consistently good um, in any, sorry, they're 23rd, uh, so a little better. Sorry, I was underselling the, the Titans a little bit. Uh, they're just not a team that has been consistently good in any one area. And even, you know, the... Uh, against the Bills, I, I think we saw kind of what they are right now, which is a team that is just going to rely on Derrick Henry to be uh, this, you know, monster who kind of is going to just break these big runs. And I think that's really what they have uh, been relying on because from down to down, Henry hasn't exactly been, you know, this uh, back who's consistently producing great plays, a positive uh EPA on runs only 35.2% of the time for Derrick Henry, uh, which currently among uh, running backs with at least 50 carries only ranks 33rd and there are 40 running backs in that sample, but he's able to just break those big plays. And like we see with the, you know, the 70 yard runs, that's enough to sustain when you have a guy who can do that. My question is whether the, the passing offense right now, which is still uh, a little weak uh, is going to be able to sustain. And that's kind of what, those previous really good Titan teams were built on, right? It was, you know, Henry can break off those big runs, but the, the passing offense was so efficient that they were able to continue to move the ball. Uh, but if the passing offense isn't going to be quite as efficient, you have some of these, you know, second and third and longs, uh, which they didn't have these past couple of years. Are they going to consistently be able to rely upon those big Henry runs breaking. Uh, but of course we're, we're going to, you know, talk about this right now, but they're, now they're playing a, a chiefs defense who can't stop anyone on the run. So, so maybe this again, it's an issue in the long term, not quite an issue for the game. We're going to be talking about coming up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, we know what we're getting out of Derrick Henry and that they don't care about the negative runs, you know, that's, that's, because they run, they run into eight box, eight, eight, eight men in the box or more, more than any team in the NFL. They they know that you you know Derek Henry's getting the football and they don't care. Uh, so I mean, that's kind of been their mo for the past three years and it's worked. I mean, you'd like to see the passing game kind of pick it up a little bit from where it was, and it's really hard to judge because one we. For two years, we've been waiting for them to have regression anyways, but in terms of efficiency, throwing right. the football, and it, it could be product that we're getting that. But secondly, like they've been just rotating like in whoever's healthy like over the course of the season. We've really, what, we played one full game, maybe two, where both – uh, you know, AJ Brown and, and Julio Jones have been healthy on the field. I mean, they are, they are living the full Julio Jones experience right now, uh, which comes along with that package, you know, uh, with, yeah. you know, w- with what they sent, that's why he was, he was traded for what he was. And, you know, people weren't giving a first for Julio Jones. Um, so it's really hard to say. And then, you know, obviously they've had a, a, a lot, they, they're scoring touchdowns. They have 18 offensive touchdowns, which is ninth in the NFL. They're just all rushing touchdowns. Uh, so you like to pick it up. Tannehill's still really good in that intermediate area. Like when you look at where he's still best at, he's still best in like, you know, that, that 10 to 19 yard area where you get off the play action. Um, you saw that come back against the bills. Everything is all in breaking routes, right? Like he's one of the, the few quarterbacks, like every, like nothing really goes to the outside. Everything that is good about Ryan Daniel is over the middle and AJ Brown and 
that second half of that game was just, you know, just eating on digs and slants, you know, coming across the middle of the field. Uh, and it kind of looked like the first time we saw A.J. Brown really looked like, you know, A.J. Brown, the alpha wide receiver um, from a couple of years ago. So, I mean, they're going to need that because it doesn't sound like Julio Jones is 100 percent, even if he plays. Uh it sounds like he really won't practice all week either by the time we get there because they're going to have to score points here. I mean, they're not going to stop the chiefs. I mean, you, the only way to stop the chiefs right now is if we've seen is if Patrick Holmes just doesn't want to concede downs. That's really the only thing right now. It's stopping chiefs. They punted 10 times this year. That's the fewest in the NFL. They're number one in the NFL in turnover rate though. They lead the NFL in fumbles. And then you've got Mahomes. three of these interceptions now over the past month have been just like, you got to just, and I, you got to give up a down, man. And I understand like why he doesn't. He's gotten away with it so many times, and he's made so many Patrick Holmes type plays. But like the one against Washington, like you just can't have that one. Like that, that's one you can't have. And it's similar to the one against the Ravens, uh, you know, on Sunday night that allows the you know the Ravens to kind of come back and backdoor them. But they're not this Tennessee defense that has had just a multitude of injuries. Uh, they lose Kale fairly now. They're they're in an offense. You know, I probably won't have Taylor Lewan for this game. Uh, who hasn't really played great anyways, but still next man up situation is probably not as good as Taylor Lewan. Uh, they're kind of limping in here with a lot of injuries at key positions and the chiefs are going to score 30 plus points. I don't know. But if, if Taylor Lewan was in on that, you know, the, the Bills uh, yeah, yeah. Goal lines. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, man. Being on live, live TV is tough. Uh, but you know, no excuses there. It's not that tough. It's tough. <laughs> Not that tough. Um, so, uh, but yeah, like you said, this Chiefs offense, this is, I think, against Tennessee is probably one of these. And not even that it has to be a get right game because things have still been right for the Chiefs. We've, we've talked about this uh, pretty much every episode. The Chiefs are still doing really good things. So first in yards per drive, still first in points per drive. Like they are they're moving the ball. Um, and, and like you said, even with injuries now in the back end for, for Tennessee. Um, and now you're going to be relying on uh, guys who you know weren't really expected to be playing uh, corner as well. So um, yeah, I just I don't really see how Tennessee holds in this game. I don't know if the 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 offense can uh, you know really hang with this Chiefs um, this Chiefs offense um, when they are going to be able to uh, get going. I think we we see. It, the Tyreek Hill game is, I think, is. Oh, we would have thought go- about that against the Bills too. I mean, it all comes down to what's the big dog doing. Sure, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> true. I just because remember they played a couple years ago. I know, granted, it's a couple years ago, but remember they played that real crazy regular season game where Derrick Henry was just unstoppable in that game. Like it was just this is by far the worst run defense in the NFL. I know, uh, you know, this is a podcast. There's no visual, but if you guys follow Ben Baldwin on Twitter, he put out a graph that compared ESPN's uh, rush block win rate versus PFF run grades. And the chiefs were in their own sector in just like the whole, whole orbit of awful. And, you know, obviously facing against guy, Derrick Henry, like it's, they're going to have to score so many points early to take Derrick Henry out of the game. Cause the, the Titans are just going to keep running it with him. And if he pops into these long runs against this bad defense, I mean, that's how you hang. That's how you, they were able to hang with the bills. The, the bills were shredding them. Right. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I, I still have more confidence that the chiefs will be able to score um, early and, and kind of potentially game scripts, the Titans out of, out of Derrick Henry, which I think is, you know, how you slow down the Titans uh, at this point. But yeah, like you said, if, 
if it is close, if, if they are able to, to hang a little bit, but I think we've, you know, we've seen the chiefs kind of hang back in, you know, previous games and not They're doing what we put, talked about last year, right? Like the two and a half quarters of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think if you're the Chiefs and you look at this game, I think you see how dangerous that can be, uh, allowing the Titans to you know stay close and then putting your foot on the gas in the fourth quarter. I think you have to put your foot on the gas in that first quarter. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to see here. I, I think they, they want to, um, one, get that lead to game script them out of using Derrick Henry. But I think also for them, I think they, they want to put points on the board. So, you know, any of those weird turnovers that have happened so far uh, aren't going to, you know, uh, affect them uh, later in the game. I think there, I think we're, we're going to see a more aggressive chiefs team uh, than we have over the past the couple of weeks, just for all of those scenarios. Yeah, as long as they don't turn it over, I mean, they've been there. I mean, it's, it's the turnovers and eventually that's going to scale back because they've been some self-induced, some tipped, and then the fumbles are always just wonky. You know, you'll always see fumble regression. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to, it's definitely going to be in play. Right, I mean, really, really of- the key is like you said, though, I mean, it's, it's all Ryan Tannehill, man. It's what are we going to get from Ryan Tannehill? Cause he hasn't really stepped up that, that, that next gear that we kind of saw him have the previous two years. And it could just be the, the weaponry that's not been there. And then the, you know, the, the regression that's happening, but they're going to need Ryan Tannehill to throw them into some games for sure. Yeah. I just, I don't know if that is how Brian Tannehill operates right now. Uh, especially it, it's a team that's, you know, not relying on the play action quite as much because they, again, they can't, they, they've been down uh, in some of these games. So yeah, they go from one of the most play action heavy uh, offenses in the league to uh, an offense that is now, uh, using play action on only the 16% uh, of their dropbacks so far. And that is uh, the 21st in the league. And that's just how they got so much of their efficiency um, in the previous seasons. Um, so uh, talking about a, a game that uh, could be decided by turnovers, let's uh, quickly hit uh, Giants-Panthers. Your, your, uh, your two favorite things, the Giants football and Sam Donald. And this is... Uh, this is going to be like potentially so bad. It's fun um, because the Sam Darnold is just completely, he's Sam Darnold at this point. It's kind of what we should expect it. And then on the other side, we have Daniel Jones. who kind of turned into, you know, early career Daniel Jones uh, last week uh, in, you know, turning the ball over, trying to force some things, just making some throws that just should not be. Uh, I mean, we had the first, like the first play of each game. Uh, last week was a, a Daniel Jones strip sack um, and a Sam Darnold interception that like, happened the at the exact same time. Uh, and it was just, uh, it was just the best way to kick off a Sunday. Um, and I think we're going to get that. So I think Daniel Jones right now is going again in uh, offensive line that uh, is still not good. I think Andrew Thomas uh, is still going to be out uh, against uh, a Panthers defensive line that can still get pressure. The last time uh, Asan Reddick uh, played against the Giants was that Cardinals game last Ooh. year, <laughs> where um, I don't think any Giant wants to think about that game. But I, uh, I think we we see the potential he has to get to the passer. Brian Burns is still doing good things. They still have that interior of the defensive line that can you know create some pressure there. Um, and Stephon so- Gilmore looks like he's gonna play. Yeah, and that that should be a, a boost there because you know some of the the Carolina secondary is just not holding up quite as well as it did with J.C. Horn, and that is um, 
you know, has taken away some of the things Carolina was able to do up front. So, you know, who knows what Stefan Gilmore is? And I think we talked about this, you know, after the trade, he's, you know, the over the 30 now coming off, you know, not playing for six weeks. He didn't have a great season last year. Um, but again, for Carolina, you know, taking these types of swings at a corner uh, is going to be uh, good. And, you know, you, the CJ Henderson hasn't worked out quite as well. I think uh, Keith Taylor, who's a rookie has been, you know, pretty good. Um, so I think they're, they're mixing and matching in that cornerback uh, room right now, trying to see what is going to work and, and waiting until JC Horn can potentially uh, come back. Won't probably won't be until the playoffs potentially uh, if it's even this year. Um, so but uh, I think when you look at what they are going to do pressure-wise, uh, I think we're going to see some some trouble here uh, for this Giants offense because uh, they cannot really create anything. There's still so many injuries. Kadarius Tony is expected to be out. Um, you know who knows what's going to happen with uh, the Kenny Galladay, and then when you're looking at the, everything else, they just they they can't create offense on their own they need something like a like a tony you know doing it themselves and they just without those guys uh they just don't have anything and and daniel jones i think we're just you know seeing very clearly i think we've seen it for the first two years of his career like isn't a guy who's going to carry an offense that does not have the talent to raise up the offense as well uh he's not going to be a guy who can do it by himself so against this carolina defense um yeah, I just, it's there's there's going to be a lot of sacks in this game, uh, and then you look at the other side, and you know Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold wants to turn the ball over so badly. Um, he's just they had that quick game working early in the season, uh, and they just haven't been able to you know keep that up. Uh, and I mean, there were a lot of drops last week, but I think that that didn't really play into. You know, Sam Darnold wouldn't have played much better if those drops were caught, right? A lot of them, like I, watching it, were like five-yard passes on like third and 10. So it's not like it would have like really impacted the game, right? Like they still would have punted on if some of those were completed. There were some longer drops, but I think for, just for the the main part, like there could be two things. The drops impacted the game, but Sam Darwin also did not play well. And I think we're, we're putting together uh, streaks of games now with Sam Darnold not playing well. And I, that that's really impacting what the Panthers can be doing on offense. Yeah. I mean, that was always the, the worry. I mean, I don't have a lot to add here to all that analysis because it's pretty spot on. I mean, yes, yeah, listen, it's the giants are the giants don't have Saquon. They don't have Canaries, Tony. They don't, we're in the same boat. We were all of last year with giants offense. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, who, who could have seen this coming? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, Evan Ingram will pick it up. Just keep holding out. How do they not yeah. trade Evan Ingram before? Just like take what you can right now because he's out of the door. Like he already has two feet out of the door. It's not even just one. It's two feet out at this point. Yeah, I thought a uh, move would have made sense last trade deadline. Um, it should make sense this trade deadline because he's there's no way he's coming back. Uh, next year but you know i do wonder if we'll be active i wonder if we'll get an active trade deadline there are you know some some teams that could use to make some moves i thought the urch trade was really interesting and maybe i don't know if we'll really touch on that game because they're facing the texans but the i don't really know how earth fits in to like what they're really trying to do uh it's interesting because you know you look at max williams he was more of a blocker than a route runner he was only running a route on 50 percent of the team dropbacks earth is going to command a different role than max Williams has. It's not a one, a one B and then it's going to reduce four wide sets. So it's going to stunt what we're doing at Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore at, 
you know, their expense to get Zach Ertz on the field. It's, it's, it's an odd trade. I know a lot of people love it because it's just like they, it's adding more weapons, but I do find it to be an odd fit for the way their offense was going to how the offense was operating basically through the first five weeks of the season. So it's, I, I want to see more Rondell Moore on the field from Zach Ertz and I'm sad about it. Yeah, it is interesting <laughs> because we saw with, without uh, the Williams on the field, you know, it through the first uh, five weeks, you know, uh, Arizona was running 10 personnel 22% of the time, which still led the league. But then we saw week six, they started, they ran it 38% of the time. So, and they were, they were doing some, you know, cool things with the, their 10 personnel packages. You know, we had, I, and even, you know, before then we've had, you know, Rondell Moore in the backfield uh, or even motioning into the backfield for like a split back look that still gives like a 11 personnel field with two backs. Um, yeah, I think, uh, there's, I think there's, still going to do you know fun things yeah. there i don't think we're going to see like some like 70 percent 11 personnel now uh because zach Ertz is there um but i think it, it could be interesting well, i think oh what on i'll be writing about this uh it'll be on the site by the time uh, this podcast is up about some of the ways arizona is opening up uh their their deep passes and right now they're using a lot of you know shallow routes to open up the deep route instead of you know in the past they were using all you know these go routes that were opening up the underneath passes i think they're they're doing it the other way around they're using some of these shallow and, and intermediate um routes to manipulate some safeties and open up some things down the field. So I think Ertz is going to be there um, and using some of those routes that that'll help open some things up down the field. And eventually if defenses are able to, um, you know, adjust and they do start, you know, maybe even playing, you know, like the chiefs, um, you know, like you've seen against the chiefs with a lot of these too high, but you know, you really can't play that against the Kyler because that leaves a lot of open space in the middle of the field for him to run if he's going to do that uh, or even just the run game because the the Arizona run game is so much better than the Kansas City uh, run game just in, in the scheme and the blocking also um so I, I think we could see Ertz there uh, a little more but and then so if teams are going to be you know trying to stop that those deep passes uh you know we could see the the short and intermediate routes open up for or for Ertz down the line uh, a little bit but i think it is the good that's just you know there are now five passing options uh on a play which you know is going to be great for for an arizona team that is going wants to spread is going to be in empty uh quite a bit so uh i think that's that's interesting and i think they are going to need to have that change up because you know what um in the post that that'll be up on the site. Uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit. Also, Kyler Murray is completing 70% of his deep passes, which is insane. Um, it's not going to be sustainable. No one has ever, uh, you know, there are five quarterbacks right now who have completed 70% of their passes overall. So to be completing 70% of passes that are traveling you know, 20 or more yards past the line of scrimmage, uh, we're, we're just not going to see that. So eventually they are going to have to adjust, but they are doing cool things that are opening up, you know, a, a lot of those routes down the field. They're, they're using some, you know, like doing uh, crossing routes. They are using scheme to have some of these openings. They're not just, you know, throwing go routes, you know, down the sideline. And those are getting completed at a high rate. They, they are opening up a lot of things down the field and, and you know, just to hit on what we're going to see against Houston, Houston is allowing the highest completion percentage of uh, throws 
uh, over 20 yards down the field, they're allowing like 60% uh, of those throws to be completed. So uh, we're just, I think this is just going to be, if we're ever going to see an actual like air raid um, game from the Cardinals, like this is going to be it because the Texans can't stop anything deep. Uh, The Cardinals can't be stopped deep uh, right now. So I think this is going to be fun to watch. And I think it is going to be interesting to see how Zach Ertz does get, uh, you know, just uh, moved into the offense. Cause I think that is something that is going to develop a week by week. Uh, and he, I think he's going to be a, a, a decent change up um, as teams start to adjust to the Cardinals uh, later in the season. Yeah. Cardinals, uh, probably another great pick in the, our, our team pool in the seventh round by me. I'll take credit for that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I hate what I did. Like I spent the entire offseason talking up the Rams and the Cardinals as being teams better than we would think in the NFC West. And then I took the Seahawks and 49ers before both of them. Like what what was I doing? Yeah, I scared money, man. Scared money. But I mean, listen, we'll have Arizona probably 7 and 0, we'll assume, and then they play the Packers next week. So we'll get another fun, you know, NFC, you know, kind of test game for them. In, uh, at home against Green Bay, though. Yeah, and I, this is just real fun because I think like there are a lot of things that are unsustainable against for the Cardinals, and I think we like we we have talked about that, but they're they're just doing things well that even if a lot of things regress, they're still going to be really good because I just think they are doing uh, the, a lot of things that just schematically and just personnel wise are just so much better. I think they're, they're playing much more to their strengths on defense. Um, they have a, a lot of good guys uh, along that defensive line. It's still able to create pressure. The guys that are stepping up in that secondary, uh, which, which are good. So like, even if we don't quite think Arizona should be, you know, a six and zero or seven Oh team, um, they're still just uh, playing really well. And I think, you know, they're, they're building this offense too, which is, is better. Oh, early in the season, I think oh, it was still a lot of, you know, Kyler go make a play, but I think there, there are more things in structure now, uh, that have been working as well, he's the not running progress. They don't even need yeah. him to run. They haven't needed need him to run the past two weeks. Yeah, which, you know, is when you're completing 70% of your deep passes and throwing deep more often, right? So it's not like, um, you know, I think it was like a, you know, a Daniel Jones thing last year where he was, you know, completing this high percentage of deep throws, but he was only throwing them when they were super open. And it was like such a low rate. Right now, uh, Kyler has the seventh highest rate of throws that are going uh, 20 or more yards past the line of scrimmage. uh, And he's completing 70% of them. So when you're you're completing those explosive plays, um, and that's what the Cardinals didn't really have, right? They didn't completely have those um, explosive pass plays because everything was so short. Uh, It was so much on yards after the catch, having to create these screens. Uh, And they still haven't really been a great screen team. Um, It's negative EPA on throws uh, at or behind the line of scrimmage. And Kyler still has negative EPA on those throws. So those are still some things that could shift there. And we want to see progress a a little bit, but you know, they're, they're just playing super well. So if we move along, I think the, the late slate is a, a little weird because there some like we have Arizona and and Houston, which like we want to watch Arizona. It's probably not going to be close. And I think that it, a lot of some of these other games uh, are are similar. You have three Chicago, mega favorites. You have three yeah, huge Chicago favorites. and Chicago and Tampa Bay. Like as much as we would like to see, you know, 
uh, Justin Fields and Chicago be good? Like it's probably not going to happen uh, against the Buccaneers. Um, it, it, there is an interesting dynamic there because they still have been, Chicago still has been run heavy with um, Fields, uh, but he is uh, throwing the ball down the field at uh, the highest rate in the league now. I think we we talked about in his first start when everything was was short and they were trying to run this quick game. Now Fields is just it's bombs away uh, to this point. It hasn't been super successful because I think they they haven't completely gotten the ability to get some of these wide receivers open down the field. Um, you know, Allen Robinson just doesn't completely look like Allen Robinson. Everything just kind of seems like at least a half a step slow. Uh, and I think that's uh, really impacted what the bears have been able to do in that passing game. Um, and, but we'll see how they adjust here because Tampa Bay is this team that no one wants to run against because the run defense is so good. That interior of the defensive line is so good. Um, but you have been able to pick apart some of that secondary a little bit. You know, Jamel Dean is actually playing really well. Uh, one of the best corners uh, in the league right now um, after a slower start uh, by uh, adjusted yards allowed per uh, coverage snap. Right now he's third. Uh, in the league. So you're not completely picking on him, but there are still pieces um, in that secondary that you can pick on. And I think we've kind of seen that in some pieces when uh, teams have come out real pass heavy uh, against um, uh, against the Buccaneers because no one wants to run, but also they're going to blitz a ton. And Justin Fields has not been great uh, against the blitz. That's uh, going to speed up as something. So I think it's a very interesting dynamic to see uh, what we're going to see on that side of the ball. Yeah, I kind of hate this all over for the the, the Bears. Uh, I mean, it just feels like such a, a such a mismatch. I mean, the, the Bucks actually, I think, are better against the pass than they they're given credit for. They don't have they've had a ton of injuries and they have some weak links, but they're still top ten in like all efficiency metrics against mm-hmm. the pass. It's just that teams throw the ball forty five times a game against them, so it all stacks up on the counting stat side, uh, and they give up more passing yards than the average team just because of that. But I mean, they're eighth in yards allowed per pass attempt. They're fifth in yards allowed per completion. Uh, they, they blitz, they make you get the ball out. Uh, we know that Justin Fields is a slow processor. He was that in college. Uh, he wants to stand there and take deep shots. Um, so, I mean, I, I hate this all over. And I don't know if outside of Mooney if there's anyone that can really get open uh, on this Bears offense. So I kind of hate it all over. We know the Bucks are going to do their part offensively. Uh, it's, it's just the, I think the spread is pretty warranted, uh, maybe even later. The thing about Justin Fields is he hasn't been good against the non-blitz either. So it's, it's one of those things. Like, what do you, what, what do we really have here? Uh, I, I want Justin Fields to play better. We know this is a pro Justin Fields, uh, you know, kind of outlet, uh, but he also just hasn't played well. I mean, against the blitz 54% completion rate. And then when not blitzed uh, 52%. So there's really no, he's last in the NFL expected completion rate because he's on the J- Jalen hurts plan of right. just throwing only throwing the ball downfield. Uh, I haven't looked at like his actual heat map, but everything's just downfield really. Uh, nothing's really close to the line of scrimmage. So, I, I mean, I just, I just don't like this on any level uh, for the bears. Uh, and, you know, maybe they use them in the run game. That's the, the key, but I mean, you just don't have the offensive line either. This offensive line is, is awful. There's a reason they're playing the way they are right now um, paired with Justin Fields. Uh, and I don't know if they'll be able to get away with here. And I think it could be exposed a little bit, not quite to Cleveland levels. I don't think it'll be as bad where they don't they have one net passing yard. But uh, I, I do think it's it's a complete, you know, objective kind of mismatch. And they're on the road, too, in Tampa. So I, I don't really like anything about this with the Bears at any level. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> like you said, it's you know, we want to see Justin Fields play a little better. But I think like watching him, it's 
it's close, I think. Like he I has plays still, where you still see it. I don't want to say, yeah. but like it's <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think there there are like plays like that that I think I like as much or more uh, than the other, you know, rookie quarterbacks where it just it feels like he's doing the right things. Um, the, the personnel right now isn't completely, um, not that it's like not helping him out, but I think just, you know, he is trying to throw some of these, you know, contested catches to, you know, like Allen Robinson, because the Robinson is just not getting open at, at the rate, you know, we've seen Allen Robinson get open, uh, in the past. Um, well, and, outside and I, of Lawrence, I think it's, outside of Lawrence, all, off the other four first round quarterbacks, we knew we're going to be like contingent on like what, what kind of system and what is the surroundings going to be right. like, and you know, we're seeing that they're not all in the greatest environments and that's why we've seen really nobody play well to, to start. So, so far. Yeah. And then like, even, Lawrence, even Mac, it's... Mac, even Mac, like, you know, there's a point in that game where you're like, Oh, Mac is nine for nine passing. And you're like, wait, they have nine passes in the third quarter. Like, you know, like what are... right. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's, it's real. It, it's, it has not been completely easy to, um, to evaluate the, a lot of these rookies. And, you know, even like the, like you said with, with Mac Jones, that, that high completion percentage. And I think there's still a lot of people who equate a high completion percentage with playing well. And that just hasn't really been the case either because you know those like those explosive plays uh, haven't happened for for new england and 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 plays of value like it doesn't matter yes. if you're completing five yards uh, like every time um that that's not going to be good for you in, in the passing game and i think that's kind of where we are with mac jones uh right now i think when you look at you know zach wilson just can't really complete anything at the moment. Um, I think that's, that's still a work in, in progress there. You know, the fields, like we said, is, is, I think close. I think there, there still are a lot of, um, there are more positives. I think when you're just looking at uh, some of the process of, of what's happening uh, there. Um, And then, you know, look at Trevor Lawrence finally is, is starting to break out. And, you know, like you said, everyone, but Lawrence was going to be, um, you know, impacted by the situation they were put in. But I think we saw Lawrence has been impacted by the situation he was put in, not only because, you know, some of the talent wasn't completely there and there have been injuries, um, along some of those new skill positions, but that offense just looked like that, not the type of offense you would want any quarterback to run, never mind, um, you know, a, a rookie quarterback, but we finally kind of saw him. They they're taking, taking some of the, the reins and, and loosening them a little bit, let Trevor Lawrence be Trevor Lawrence a little more. And I think that's, that's starting to, to help a little bit. So um, hopefully when they, they come back from uh, the bye here after uh, their London game, uh, we'll, we'll see uh, a little more and maybe some of those guys are, are used uh, a little better. Um, so let's, uh, let's go into, I guess the, the Sunday night game here. Um, is Carson Wentz good again? Or sometimes. So, yeah. I think that that's where <laughs> we are, right? Like sometimes, um, when he's kept clean, listen, you keep Carson Wentz clean, the good things happen. That's, that's the thing. And it's, you know, one of those things where he is playing like 
really well. Um, but at, at the same time, there are a lot of things that just you want to see uh, be a, a lot better. Right now, he has one of the highest uh, EPAs per dropback off play action. Yep. Uh, he has one of the lowest <laughs> EPAs uh, per dropback when not using play action, right? So I think they're, the Colts are doing a lot of things these past couple of weeks that have schemed up things well that Carson Wentz can take advantage of. Um, and they've been they've been staying in situations where they're allowing themselves to scheme those things open, right? Keeping them in clean pockets, using that play action. You know, he's been hitting, you know, some of those like corner routes, which have, have been really good. Like he can still put the ball in a place where it needs to be when the situation is relatively perfect, right? So we want to see whether that can continue right now. Uh, you know, San Francisco, the, the defense is playing, you know, a, a little better uh, than you know, we might've expected with some of this talent. I think they're, they're still doing some good things. Um, you know, they're, they're about average uh, in defense right now, 12th in DVOA, you know, 14th uh, in past DVOA. So uh, we'll see whether they're going to be able to, you know, continue to, um, you know, cover at the rate they have, um, the pressure hasn't completely been there in a way we might've, you know, expected a, uh, a front four from San Francisco, uh, to be right now, they are just 24th, uh, in pressure rate per SIS. So if you're not going to pressure Wentz, um, I think that does leave the, the possibility open that he is going to be able to continue to, uh, you know, complete some of these passes and, and still look passable, uh, enough as a, as a starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the Colts also, they lose Justin Blackman out to a torn Achilles. Uh, yeah. We just found that out. So, I mean, it's a, with their 20th player on IR. Uh, they've been snake bit, especially defensively. Because if you look at it, I mean, they've actually been good against the run. They're actually number one in EPA against the run, but they're terrible against the pass. And Davis Mills wasn't able to take advantage of that. But we saw Lamar Jackson on Monday night completely just crush them in the second half of that game when they were they were down all those bodies so it's gonna be interesting to see what what you know what jimmy g does out of the bye and potentially you know having the the threat of losing his job because uh, he's gonna start in this game because you know lance is, is banged up uh i'm really curious to see if they end up playing brandon Ayuk out of the bye like who gets these bumps out of the buys right like whenever you have these teams going by like the what, what did they figure out what are they going to adjust you know typically we see rookies get a little more on their plates after the buys but like the 49ers need Brandon Ayuk to play. I mean, they you can't just rely on Debo Samuel doing all the lifting he has because, you know, there's George Kittle still on IR. So, I mean, the, Debo Samuel is accounting for, you know, he's got 34% of their targets. Uh, he's he's absolutely just carried this this entire passing game. And he's not a player you would typically say, like, yeah, Debo Samuel is going to carry a passing game. Um, he's a very good player. But, I mean, they're going to need Brandon Ayuk to make plays. Uh, because he's a guy that can actually get open and against man coverage. I mean, you go back to when they played the Packers on Sunday night, I think it was week three, and they ran that the double mirror out, right? And, you know, Brandon Ayuk completely smokes Jair Alexander, and Debo gets boxed on his. Like, Debo's a great player in his own right and what he does well, but Brandon Ayuk is an actual, like, he's a, a five-tool receiver when, his, when everything is clicking and, and everything is working. He's out of the doghouse, and he's playing his full capability. So they're going to need him out of the bye. 
uh, to be more involved in this offense. And, it, you know, if I see Mohamed Sanu out here again for the amount of snaps that he's played so far the, the, before the bye, uh, I don't know what Kyle Shanahan is really doing. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting because the 49ers haven't run the ball well. They throw this gaggle of, you know, uh, trying to figure out what they have in their backfield. You know, they've settled on kind of Elijah Mitchell being the guy, but the Colts have stopped the runs. So they're going to need to throw in this game. Uh, and the Colts have acquiesced in letting everyone throw on them outside of Davis Mills. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see the approach on Sunday night. Yeah, it's just like San Francisco, it just in in every area of offense, trying to just figure out what they are. And you know, we just spent minutes talking about how they need their 2020 first round pick that they traded up for uh, to be more involved in the offense. Like, it just, it seems just- Oh, that's just, Shanahan, man. Yeah. Like that is, that all is their guys. the one thing, yeah. If you, if you get traded up for by Kyle Shannon, it might be just be the kiss of death. Dante Pettis, Joe Williams, Ayuk, uh, Trey Lance. Like it's, it's all just dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, not ideal, not an ideal way to build a roster when you are, uh, giving Trey up. Sermon. I forgot Trey, you trade up for Trey Sermon. <laughs> uh, can you, if you're a prospect right now, can you just pass on being <laughs> traded up for by the 49ers? Um, yeah, that's Because, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Does, like, Shanahan just have, like, so much higher expectations for these guys that they, like, if they're not excellent at, at the start, he gets... His dad was always the shortcoming, too, was his talent, his GM, the GM aspects. of his, yeah. his dad was a phenomenal coach obviously he's a hall of famer and what he's brought to the game but his main bugaboo was the, the his activities at gm you know and, and when he got involved in those kind of personnel decisions and that that was kind of his shortcoming so it, it seems to be similar for kyle right now yeah and it's weird because there are still a lot of you know schemed things that are going well i mean you like talk about uh debo samuel there are still like he's getting targeted further down the field like relatively right he's not you know a high a dot type of guy but when he came back from injury last year his a dot was like 2.5 um so now he's you know getting into some of those more you know intermediate routes and the yards after the catch are still happening so they're putting him in a spot where he is able to uh, get the ball further down the field but still have that room to be able to run after the catch so i think there are things like that that are going really well there's just uh, not things that are happening across the offense, right? It's like very concentrated in one area. And I think they just haven't been able to put a, a lot of things together that have been able to produce, uh, you know, the type of offense we might be expecting from Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and, you know, we, we're going to want to see that, that passing game come up uh, against the Colts, because like you said, right now they're, uh, you know, they are the, they are the bizarro chiefs, uh, on a defense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like you said, uh, by DVOA, they are first in rush defense, 29th in pass defense. Um, and you know, against a lot of other teams that, that might be a, a big problem, but against the 49ers and the 49ers and how they've been constructed right now, um, you know, maybe that doesn't kill them as much, but the 49ers really do need to, you know, figure out that passing game, who they want to have involved in the passing game. And that, you know, is like all positions at this point, trying to you know figure out who should be, you know, doing what that goes from quarterback to wide receiver uh, and everything involved. It just feels like we're, you know, seven weeks into the season right now. And they, they still don't know exactly who they are. Um, and that 
you know, that kind of so seems you like play a, in a division with the Cardinals <laughs> and Rams. Uh, it, it's a, you, you're going to want to figure it out sooner, sooner than later. Uh, because the Rams, I mean, the, the Rams remaining schedule is, is laughable. Like they've already played like most of their hard games. I mean, you, you, they, they, they play the Lions this week, then they play the Texans next week, then they play the Titans, then you get the first match with the 49ers, then they're on bye. They still have games against the Jaguars. Uh, you know, they, it gets a little tougher in the year. They have the Ravens mixed in, but like the, the Rams are completely set up to maybe lose like four games max right now. And the Cardinals are going to be seven to no after this weekend. Uh, so, I mean, it's, I mean, if you're the 49ers and you're the Seahawks who are in a world of trouble more than the 49ers, but like, you've got to start winning games. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's not going to get the easier. And like, like you said, especially with, you know, the top of that division with, with the Rams and, and the Cardinals, um, let's, um, let's just, and talking about Matthew Stafford real quick, because I have to stop myself from like writing about Matthew Stafford every week because, um, slightly obsessed about just what this Rams offense is doing. Like Matthew Stafford has been, I think overall fine, right? Like he hasn't been perfect. He's left some stuff on the field. Yeah. But (laughs) he is by far the leader in EPA per drop back, right? So per true media, a 0.38 EPA per drop back. Patrick Mahomes is second at 0.25. Like that is, um, like there is a, you know, Derek Carr's worth of performance right now. And Derek Carr is 11th in EPA uh, per dropback. There's a Derek Carr level of performance between what Matthew Stafford has produced and what Patrick Mahomes has produced this year. And it's just because I think there's just, there's no wrong answer for the Rams right now. And like, we don't have to talk about what's going to happen against the Lions too much because like they're just going to throw all over the Lions, which is kind of what, you know, they did against uh, the Giants last week. Um, but uh, I think uh, Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic, who's uh, the uh, Rams beat writer, that she she asked um, Sean McVay about like what the, the best thing about, you know, having a guy like Matthew Stafford was. And, you know, she said that he, uh, McVay's response was, even when McVay is wrong, Stafford can make him right. And I think that has been the case on a lot of plays this year where Stafford is able to just uh, make a throw that is crazy. But I think it also plays in the other way around, right? Even when, um, you know, Stafford misses a throw, there are going to be more throws later in the game. And we've kind of talked about this, you know, earlier in the season, uh, especially after that first game. But it, f- it felt like when the uh, when the Rams had a, a big uh, like a shot play drawn up, like it was a shot play, and if Goff missed it, they did not have the confidence that he was going to be able to get through the progression again to get that play later in the game. But now with Stafford, those sh- they're not shot plays anymore, right? They're just the offense, right? They're they're moving. They have more routes that are happening down the field. They're using empty more. They're they're spreading the ball out and throwing deep from empty more. Um, so if one play doesn't work, like they are going to be able to go back to that later in the game. And Stafford has the ability to sit back there and be able to throw some of those uh, balls that you know it, these big plays are, are just going to happen. And we've seen that so often with the Rams. So you know, when the quarterback is not perfect. Again, he's not like on target for, you know, a hundred percent of his throws. He's not even leading the league in on target rate. Um, but when you have that big of a gap uh, between you and the next best quarterback in something like EPA, or just, you know, 
the, what the Rams have done so far has just been so good. And when you can match up a guy with that type of talent who can ha- hit those type of throws with, um, with an offensive mind like McVay who can create those openings. Like this is just like the best of both worlds. And they're doing so many good things like the last week against, you know, they're, they use, like they let up Cooper cup, like a tight end sometimes. And that gets them to like play a safety. Like there was Cooper cup on Jabril peppers a bunch of times in one-on-one coverage last week. And but just like, no matter how good Cooper cup has been so far, just by the formation and the alignment, you have teams that are defending him in that way with the safety and that they're just creating mismatches all over the place. And like the Rams are just so good at what they're doing right now. It's just, it's going to be really hard to slow that offense down. I think. And they've only hiccup had one hiccup on us and, you know, we're Stafford's winning. I mean, I put it in the the worksheet, just, you know, when you talk about on non, when teams fail on first down, like Stafford's just digging them out of holes, Um, you know, on non first downs where the team needs seven or more yards, he's got a 74% completion rate. He's averaging 12 and a half yards per pass attempt. Other quarterbacks in those spots, the league average is just 7.3 yards per pass attempt. 50% of his throws in those situations have resulted in a new first down or touchdown, which is by far the highest rate in the league. It's the 10% more higher than the next closest quarterback, which is Derek Carr. Uh, and league average is just 30%. Like it's just mind boggling, like splits in these, these negative situations where you would say to yourself, there's no way if you put golf in these same situations. And you know, I don't want to turn into a dunk on Jared Goff session, but we, we know that's, but it, it's what we were waiting for, right? Like when McVay has an actual quarterback, like what does this offense transcend into? And we're seeing it, you know, the open of this season, you know, both guys can, both guys bring out the best of, of each other. And it's, it's, it's absolutely off uh, to the, as good of a start as anyone could hope to. Yeah. I think it's, it's even, I think e- even better, which is crazy because I, like I said, I don't think Stafford hasn't been playing out of his mind, right? It's it's not in a way that we feel like his performance has been unsustainable, uh, where it's just like this super like high completion percentage where he's hitting like a lot of these tight window throws that we might not expect to happen uh, throughout the remainder of the season. But just the, the way those two mix right now, it's just it it's one of my favorite things to watch that every week, and that's just no, the scary why thing I, is I had there's to bring still. It up. Yeah, the scary thing is there's yeah. still room for improvement because he hasn't. They haven't like thrown the ball well in the red zone. Last week was like the first the first week. Like we saw them have that kind of swing back in their favor. And you know the actual deep plays of the shot plays have been there, but he's left he's left a handful on the table. You know with with with, with Aaron throws. So I mean, there's still room for those two areas to improve. Yeah, it's just uh, you know the prayers up to the lions this week because <laughs> yeah. it's probably not going to be 32nd pretty, in just, uh defensive uh, passing EPA versus the number one EPA uh, offense in the past. Probably, probably go pretty well. Yeah. I gotta be, I'm not, I'm not, I know a lot of people like Dan Campbell, man. And like this, I don't understand really what his, his thing is. You know, you come out one week after you, you're crying after the game and you're getting your team to, to have your back and you're throwing everyone under the bus the next week. I don't really understand what his MO is right now. He seems like a guy that's just completely in over his head uh, to me, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how the rest of this thing plays out with him. Yeah, it is like it. Yeah. It seems like sometimes doing some good things and uh, yeah, other times, you know, some questionable things. So we'll, we'll see how he definitely needs a PR dude for sure. He definitely, the Lions need to hire a PR dude for him. I think my, my favorite thing about, (laughs) 
the the press conference when uh, he threw Goff under the bus. That was like he and even more he people afterwards. Obviously, that's right. the part but, that's going to get I, but out. But. My my favorite thing about it was the pause that he took beforehand. Like he he stopped at the he podium chose violence. to like think yeah, he chose, about it. He, he was chose like, violence. Yeah, there was there was a significant pause before he was like, "Should I be doing this? I'm not sure." Yeah, you know what? 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 What the hell? I'm gonna let it go, and <laughs> and then and then he he persisted uh, to to go into it. So uh, I, I mean, the entertaining uh, at the least, and I think you know the the game might not be entertaining from the lion side. Uh, this yeah, week, I feel but, bad um, for Goffman a little bit, a little bit of sense because you know he it's gonna be so much the story of him coming back too, and they're not gonna be they're gonna get shredded. I mean, it's there's yeah. nothing they can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> there's very little yeah. like i mean i understand any given sunday and all that but you know there's very little the lions can do to stop the Rams right now <laughs> yeah which i mean just and that's not a Lions specific problem <laughs> there has been yes. little, uh, a lot of teams have been able to do uh to stop the rams and i think that that's just why they're they're so fun to watch they're so fun uh to talk about now i'm like i'm just so excited to see how this offense continues to develop for the rest of the season um so uh, on that note, uh, we're, we're not going to talk about Jameis and the Seahawks in a Monday night game. Like that's just going to be pure chaos. I do not want, I'm not even going to try this to Jameis season what's going is, to happen. This Jameis season, does it, it's so weird. Even for a Jameis, like I kind of wrote about it a little bit. It's just like, it's so baffling, like the start of this season, even for a player like him, it's it's a quite unique ride the Saints are on right now. Yeah, so it's just uh, <laughs> pure chaos and we don't need to, uh, really dive into it at all because there, there's no reason trying to figure out what's going to happen because it's just whatever we think is is not going to be it. So uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, we're going to end it here. Uh, remember, you can find all of our work on sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can find Rich's worksheet, which uh, if you're doing any fantasy stuff, I say this every week, but uh, the I mean it every, every week. If you're doing anything fantasy related, you're not reading the worksheet. Uh, I'm not sure how you are doing fantasy to be honest uh and also you know his rankings uh up on the site uh, every week does a great dfs piece um that you could be uh reading every week also so um you can find uh, all our work on sharpfootballanalysis.com you can find rich on twitter at wood reeves uh you can follow me on twitter at dan pizzuta thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon 